Hello and welcome to the Developing Dads podcast. I'm your host Neil and alongside my brother Gordon, we're going to explore life as two young dads trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. Join us every Monday where we aim to share our thoughts on how we raise our families, invest our time and explore things that interest us. Welcome to the Delphin Daz podcast episode number 83. You'd think after 83 episodes, Gordon would manage to <laughs> hit the record button or put a memory card in. We just spent about five, ten minutes talking and, and introducing the It podcast. was glorious, Neil. It was, it was an unfortunate thing. We've recorded it on a, on a 360 camera, so we've got some audio on yeah. it. But Neil, yeah, Neil, I, I let Neil down. He had one of his best intros. He's usually <laughs> a little bit flat when it comes to intros. He gets a bit, he gets a bit scared in the highlight. In the um, anyway, if you're watching on the YouTubes, you can see we're in on an island. We're off the Isle of Skye on an island called Isle of Razi, sitting in their distillery. They were very welcoming and um, didn't mind us recording a podcast in their gathering room, which looks very nice. Unlike another large distillery. Yeah, decided I'm going to re- name drop them, Talsker. It was an instant no. Like within five minutes of my email, they said, no, we don't offer that kind of thing. And Razi, quite frankly, has been very accommodating. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was even in their diary for this day that the, the Developing Dads podcast was getting recorded. So wow, there you go. She was expecting us, um, which is nice. So our wives have just had their tour um, and th- thought it was very good. And the dads, as in us three, are going to be um, getting a tour at two o'clock. Us three? We haven't actually anyway, introduced. I know, as we'd say, we've got, we've got a special guest, if you're just listening through the audio. Um, I'll let him introduce you. His name is Mr. David Williams. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I'm uh, Gordon's father-in-law. Uh, Gordon's married to my daughter, Laura, uh, and... Uh, just here today, um, having an amazing time on the Isle of Razé, uh, having spent the last four days on the Isle of Skye with Neil and his family. And we, they've uh, made us feel very welcome and showed us around. We've had a, just an amazing tour of the island so far. Went to the uh, Old Manor store yesterday. We were very blessed with the weather and um, it's been incredible. So thanks, so thanks to Neil and your family. No, you're welcome. Um, and Gordon and I have got a whiskey, which we've done a tasting in the first um, round of this recording, but we'll do a tasting again. Oh, we're doing a live one again, are we? Yeah, right. so this is... All right. this is so the... I've never tried it before. <laughs> it always tastes better second time, doesn't it? Something Apparently. A full of flavour. Also, the funny thing, I just want to add before we uh, pass on our thoughts on the notes of this one, is that our, our because our wives went off to do a, a distillery tour, We've actually taken the bottles that they were given <laughs> as part of their tour to try it, rather than being, uh, you know, anything but Scottish and actually going to the bar and buying a drink. <laughs> but it's it's a lovely. It's actually it's actually better than Talisker, not just because it let us do a podcast. It actually tastes. Yeah. Uh, it's very sweet. It's quite sweet. It's like the space side. Remember, we were talking about Coleola, yeah, yeah. the eighteen year. Uh, it's a bit like that. It's With a bit, a bit of sweetie, smokiness, a little bit of smokiness on the end. Anyway, I'll stop. Neil's Neil's in charge um, of the. Yeah, it's one of my favourites. We've been here. We've haven't done the tour. Because um, we need to book a few months in advance to get a space in the tour, um, but I've been here a few times, bought a few bottles of whiskey, and yeah, it's one of my favourites. Nice. So let's let's start with the podcast like we always do. Um, second time round, we're going to ask how each other are because men don't do that enough. Anyway, Mister Williams, how are you doing? How's your week been? Well, uh, as I said, so far so good. It's been amazing, really. Uh, been on holiday for the last. Uh, five five or so days and uh, up in the Isle of Skye had an amazing time journey up from London was good fun as well we stopped at Glasgow for for lunch uh, and then did you find Buckfast on draft anywhere find what on draft Buckfast on not draft. yet no we had a uh, glass of tenants which uh, I was roundly castigated by uh, an old Scottish friend of mine for, for drinking uh, tenants but it's a bit of a Scottish institution right so, yeah, yeah I, love first, I thought first pint in Scotland's <laughs> got to be a pint of tenants uh, but no we've still got plenty of time to uh, seek out the local 
uh, idols and things. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a hell of a week so far. I mean, it's been because we, we put this in the planning. Like, this whole Sky trip was in the planning for like nearly a year. Yeah, you know, we we're thinking about oh, can we do this? And I, d- I don't know whether I was the instigator or kind of push for it, but it's just been. Neil's always banging on about this amazing, you know, place that he goes to with these, his sort of family. And I just felt like it would have been a really nice experience. And Dave has never been. I've never been. And quite frankly, I don't know why you'd want to go anywhere else apart from the weather. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right you, now it is pouring outside. If you can guarantee sunshine every day, then it'd be something else. And it, it is still nice in the kind of showery drizzle. You still get an atmospheric view, but it's not the same. It has. And it's, it's a real, it's, it's a really interesting thing because me and Neil have got a young family. And it's it's our first time we've ever had like yeah, a, a, trip. A, a family trip together with all our family together and all our kids, and it really feels like our uh, feels like we're adulting and life's progressing somewhat. Whereas you know, it's uh, it's very different when you have to control kids. And Neil's got a dog now, which is kind of a fun thing. <laughs> Gordon thinks I'm mad having a dog and three kids. But is, uh, are we doing our our how are yous for each of us, or are we uh, are we over that now because we recorded a podcast on on like yeah a we're, of we're fine with that. But all just, right. I've just noticed this table. Looks like it's got um, oats. oats through it. My word. It's quite nice. Quite nice touch. Yeah, excellent. Okay, great. Anyway, on to the pod. So uh, I don't know what the topic of this is. I know what we're doing, but what's, what's, the, what's the headline? What's the topic? Well, the headline is really uh, to interview David, to ask him questions yeah. about uh, what dad life was in sort of 1991 when you had your daughter, Laura, who's my now wife, to 20, compared it to 2023 where you've got a granddaughter now um and then just just generally like your experience of a dad and how how you've gone through it and what you feel about it uh and even comparing like the things that maybe Neil are going through now or what you went through and even because you you, you know you've been part of the diplomatic service for the best part of 30 35 years yep yeah so th- you know that comes with its own sort of things that are very different to what me and Neil have experienced so yeah I'm just I'm really keen to explore them and then yeah equally if you have questions for us by all means like uh, chip in it's a very casual podcast we get all of about three listeners so <laughs> um but yeah my first question is like dad life if, if you if we were to compare dad life from 1991 to 2023 what what, what do you think there's stark similarities and also stark differences in in how dad life was back then and it is now well, I guess um, parenthood for, for me, uh, first time round. So I've got two kids, uh, Laura, the oldest, born in 91, as you say, and then uh, our son, Jack, uh, was born in 95. Um, sounds a long time ago, but, uh, you know, uh, the basics haven't changed, right? And uh, I, guess, I guess what was different was that, um, because as you say, I'm uh, in the diplomatic service. Uh, when Laura was only three weeks old, we took her to India. Um, so we, you know, she had an upbringing for the first two years of her life outside of the UK. And I guess immediate difference is the distance from family. So that kind of support network. Now I'm really lucky in that uh, my wife Denise, um, she uh, a nursery nurse by by training, very comfortable around kids. And so I think if we'd both been completely uh, new to babies, to, to, to parenthood, it would have been much harder in, in that kind of alien environment without family close by. But actually, um, you know, it was it was it was wonderful in a sense of, you know, the, the climate, the, the opportunity to travel and explore um, for, for, you know, things that you took for granted here like disposable nappies were much more difficult to get back in the 90s in uh, in india and um you know so we had to make do with terry terry nappies and, and all the 
paraphernalia that goes with that. And I just remember the, you know, the bag when we went out anywhere uh, was, was just so heavy. Um, and the amount of stuff we used to have to carry, it was amazing when she all of a sudden got out of nappies and, uh, you know, everything seemed so much lighter. But, but no, I mean, it was, it was a bit different in a sense of we had that sort of mobility and, and movement and, and family not so close by. But uh, apart from that, I would say, yeah, you know, and, and the technology, the internet, you did you know it wasn't around i guess that was part of what i was going to touch on i guess one of the biggest i guess the feelings of being a dad or becoming a dad are probably pretty much transcend across the ages to some extent but technology is definitely something that's sped up you know we've got these baby monitors now we've got these like sterilizing kits and you know like white noise is quite i don't know if white noise was a thing back then i don't know no 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 no. um yeah we used to have to use a milton liquid to sterilize bottles um and and all that i think we still use it today don't we but we used to do our vegetables in it as well and you know (laughs) everything used to just go go in uh yeah you had to be obviously very careful with hygiene somewhere like india but um no i mean we didn't have to have all the layers of clothes and that was the the beauty that laura was able to kind of potty train um uh just on a in in a warm climate and and run around really quite happily without a nappy on and i always remember one of her favorite things was to have a bath in a bucket um, you know, it was just easier just to fill a bucket of water up with, and, and she'd plop up and down in it. And she, now, yeah, that was one of her favorite things as a baby. What was the that. kind of health service like out there? Because obviously we can just phone, is it 101, 111 or something for non-emergency stuff? Um, and then obviously 999 for emergency stuff. Yeah. I mean, Having you, a kid, you seem to call it more than... Yeah. Or too much sometimes. Well, India, obviously, uh, um, certainly Bombay, massive, massive city. The health facilities are, are fantastic. We were oh, very okay. fortunate. You know, we, uh, we we got to benefit the, the, the sort of private health service and some amazing doctors and, and nurseries, gynecologists over there. So, yeah, no, no problems at all. And in fact, um, the person that um, uh, Denise was seeing was called Sunawala. And I always remember that when we went to uh, Dr. Sunawala and when we, always, when we went to... Um, uh, back to the UK actually for, for Denise to give birth to uh, Laura they saw the name Sunawala as Denise's gynecologist and uh, said was that anything to do with Sunawala forceps apparently there's something called the Sunawala forceps right can you believe this <laughs> and anyway we went back after the birth we went back and she saw him again as follow-up you know and he said yeah I invented them it's like this wow. guy invented so the person with Denise's gynecologist was so well known across the world in the UK they recognise his name for having you know obviously made this contribution to, to childbirth so yeah you get some yeah, yeah so it was it was a fabulous environment to bring up a baby yeah what, what was the obviously we've kind of fast forwarded somewhat through to you know in India you've got a few week old daughter that was her first flight wasn't it to three weeks old she was three yeah. weeks old to India you know if we, we rewind just a touch you know what what was it like leading up to you know you'd find out you were pregnant what was it kind of being in diplomatic service you'd been to Switzerland and then I assume come back to the UK and then you knew you were going to a posting in India you know what was what was that feeling like between finding out you're getting pregnant but also the the travel that you're fundamentally going to have to do and figure out and work out what was that like during that period yeah well um 
so Denise came back in the June and Laura was born in September. So she had three months in the, in the UK. Uh, well, I didn't see her. Uh, that was the thing. And we didn't have FaceTime or anything yeah. like that. You know, there was no video. So, of course, I'd speak to her occasionally on the phone. But we had no mobile phones. It was just landlines. So I used to phone kind of once a week and get on this crackly line. Wow. I didn't see, didn't have much contact with Denise, obviously, uh, to support in that three months. But she was staying with uh, my mum and dad. So obviously she had some support. And I, 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 I booked my leave sort of seven, seven weeks either side of the due date. And Laura was pretty much born on time. So I had the last three weeks or so with Denise before she gave birth. And then three weeks after. So obviously I wasn't much help, frankly, in the run up to, um, to the birth. But uh, my mum and dad were, were, were great. And uh, yeah, but I, I made it back. We were, it worked out well and I was back there for the birth. Yeah. Was it, how did you feel in that moment? Because it, you know, it, it partly... I felt especially was like, I can be there and be supportive for Laura and I can, you know, rub her back when she's got a sore back and, you know, sore ankles or whatever else. But, you know, how, how did you feel obviously being such a distance away? You know, was there... Yeah, it was really hard, um, especially the first child. You know, you've, you've got all these thoughts about what it's going to be like. But uh, yeah, I, I really felt that absence and uh, not being able to be there. But then obviously I got back um, three months, sorry, three weeks before and was there for the key, the key moments. But um, again, I think it helped that Denise knew what to expect. Although she hadn't been pregnant, she'd, she'd been involved with with preschool kids for you know and, and I think um, she seemed to just take it all in a stride you'd have to ask her call her on the show and invite, invite <laughs> what it was like with, what it was out like without me yeah did, did the um, how, what was birth like in the I know, I know this is kind of a silly question to ask and maybe it's not but this was you know 32 years ago right when, when you had Olivia uh, had Laura you know technology sped up uh, male involvement in the whole processes I think is sped up to some degree uh, you know what was what was the birth what was it, your birth story like? Were you very much in the room? You know, I remember there was one story that you've always told is when uh, uh, Laura was born, you came out of the room and you picked up Nana, <laughs> you threw her around in, in so much joy. So, well, you know, that was in a in some sort of a uh, synopsis. How, how what was your birth story like? Was it? Uh, well, so uh, Laura was born in Banbury at the Horton Hospital, and we'd been and, and checked out the maternity suite before, as you do. Um, but it, it um, so. We had a bit of a force, force alarm. Uh, is it Praxen Hicks or something they call it beforehand? And um, we went to the hospital and, and uh, Laura didn't come. So we went back and the, I remember the midwife saying, look, just go for a really hearty walk over the, over the countryside. So we did that. And, you know, Denise was jumping up and down a bit to try and force some, some labor on. And uh, sort of two days later, uh, we went back. Um, and yeah, we, uh, I, there, there were no complications, thank, thankfully. Um, all Denise had was gas and air. She was a real trooper. Um, didn't, um, but I, I was, I was in, I was in. You know, there was no COVID or anything. Obviously, back then, I, I, I was in the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the birthing suite, and um, yeah, I, I was there. And uh, incredible. I, my overriding memory was um, just how calm Laura was when she came out. Um, all the sort of excitement and everything she just came out serene and i just remember her opening her eyes and you know it just struck me at that moment that is life life starts yeah. at that moment for me when laura opened her eyes and just the uh, feeling of instant love that you have for another human being uh, and and the perfectness of her of her hands and her feet and everything you know it's the first time i'd laid uh, my eyes on my own child and it was 
absolutely wonderful and you know obviously that was 30 plus years uh, ago and I've never forgotten it and you never forget these things these are just sort of monumental uh, moments in your life and, and even in the respect of today's world like Neil was also a young man uh, when he had a child you know I was 30 how old was I Neil 32 yeah. 33 I was 23 Neil was 23 how old were you 24 24 you know did did how how much of a jump was it to adulthood? <laughs> you know, because when you're kind of unencumbered, twenty one, twenty two, you're traveling the world, you're seeing all these kind of things, and then suddenly it's like, I have a resp- I have a huge responsibility now. Yeah, I didn't think about it too much. I think um, I don't know. We just seemed to take it in our stride. We had because we kind of supplanted our family life to another country, and we got this amazing uh, daughter now with us. It was just you know we were having to adapt to so many things in any case, and, and I guess this was just another thing to adapt to. And having a wife who was so comfortable um, around children um, was was made it easy for me, frankly, um, you know, uh, and didn't didn't have to stress and strain. I don't remember being. Be you know stressing and 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 worrying about about it. As I say, we we took her back to India when she was three weeks old, and the, and the journey just started from there. And uh, you know we had the advantage of a nice warm climate, um, sitting sitting outside, and you know feeding her in the mornings and things on the balcony. It was just wonderful, wonderful times. Yeah, it sounds a lot like you just kind of you just get on with it, don't you? When you become a dad. Yeah, I think it's part of it, but I think there's part of it where you forget the bad times. So I don't know if you. It sounds very idyllic, but I'm sure there's hardship, and I'm sure there is. There was hard times. Yeah, maybe but I'm sure you're right. Yeah, you kind of. Shoot, I don't know. I feel certainly I do. When when people ask me, or oh, how how is it having the twins, and you kind of sugarcoat it a little bit. It was hard, but I don't know if if your memory holds on to the. It's it's kind of hard interesting because statistically, I think there's a uh, if you have a bad experience in a restaurant, you tell like eleven people, <laughs> but if you have a good experience, you only tell three. So I don't know if that wow. swaps when you have a kid because, yeah. you know, you, you, you want the promotion of, of children to, yeah. to continue the human race. So maybe subconsciously <laughs> we, we just talk about all the good things. I guess the biggest challenge really living somewhere like that was finding stuff that Laura could eat. Um, you know, again, back in the uh, early 90s. So this was, you know, 91, 92. Um, there weren't that many Western restaurants in India. So we used to have to go to the big hotels and, you know, you could get um, quite plain food. Um, that was that was the probably the bit and the high as I say the hygiene um, take you know trying to sterilize bottles and things when you're traveling around um, but no uh, I, I, yeah I'm sure you're right I don't remember the, the any the, the traumas of it um, and it, frankly we, we were part of a big office over there we had lots of friends and um, you know it, it just seemed that people always people want to want to hold the baby and, yeah. and look after and stuff so it was it was great because there's, there's lots of commonalities, right, across, regardless of where you come from, that family and love and kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff just all comes hand in hand, regardless of where you are in the world. But I guess, you know, one of the hardest parts is the fact that the UK does have, you know, uh, a, a, a decent, easy climate to live in technically, has running water that's particularly safe across of it. Even in the 90s, it was perfectly fine. But India's a very different country, you know, totally different. Um so I guess, and there's also like other countries that you've lived in over across the years. You know, you've done, I think it's what, Cameroon, Ethiopia, Jamaica, all of these places. And do, do you think it was just a case of like just getting on with it and you just, you do your thing and that's just, you just operate yeah, as you were? And- exactly. So then Jack came along uh, in 95. We were back home after India, we, we did a home posting uh, and then Jack uh, was born in 95 and in 97, we went to Ethiopia um, so first African posting. And uh, again, you know, we'd, I, I think it helped. We've been somewhere like India before. So a lot of the, uh, 
experience of traveling we we you know and, and living abroad we were used to and we, but you just had to take a hell of a lot of stuff you know clothes in different sizes because you can't buy it there right so the preparation before you go and you know what my wife's like denise she's for lists and things and and planning so yeah we we, we had a lot of notice and, and we went uh, pretty well prepared but then we lived in uh, a really nice accommodation in uh, in ethiopia um it's in the highland Addis, Addis Ababa is in the highlands of Ethiopia. The climate is amazing. It's uh, so it's over two thousand meters. Um, wow. And people, when they think of Ethiopia, they think of a lot of poverty and and you know hot hot country. But at two thousand four hundred meters, the air is very refined and rarefied. And um, uh, you know, um, but it's very green and cold at night and sort of uh, mid mid twenties during the day. So it's glorious for for eight or nine months of the year. It's just beautiful weather. And yeah, again, I'm sure you're right, Neil. I'm, I'm thinking of all the positives. It's hard to yeah. think of, of too many negatives there. But um, it was just, a, 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 again, a, a good environment to bring kids up, uh, plenty of space for them to run around and enjoy, them, enjoy themselves. And uh, yeah, Laura, uh, at one point, I remember, um, you know, confronting a baboon in the, on the compound that we lived in and, <laughs> and sort of it chasing her and being, being a bit scared of it. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was a great experience. Did you ever feel there was some kind of I don't know, danger? Like we take our kids to different places and you think, well, what's the danger? What are they going to get into? And I mean, you know what they are because you kind of live in the UK yeah. and you've probably experienced them, but you don't technically get big boons yeah. Yeah. running around wild. Well, and like, I don't know, armed, armed people or like knife crack, like yeah. just all a bit different. No, and, and I think you're because you're in a foreign country, you're a lot more careful, and you think a lot more about your your personal security when you're going out and about. Yeah. So, so maybe you, you put yourself less at risk when you're when you're yeah, old, true. Perhaps. Yeah, but um, no, I mean, there's always the unexpected. Um, always, let, let me tell you one story about uh, the time that um, we went to a place in Harar where there was a, f- a guy who was famous for uh, feeding hyenas at night. And um, wow. so you, you, you drive along, the guy would sit there um, with a big bucket of meat. I'm sure his brother or somebody owned a butcher shop and uh, he had a big bucket of meat and a stick and he'd sit there and, um, you know, you, you'd park your cars around in a sort of uh, semicircle and put your headlights on because it's dark, pitch black. And then all of a sudden he sits there and, you know, out, out of the, the woods come these eyes and then, you know, great, huge uh, hyenas. And um, you sit there and, and watch him feed them. And then, of course, he invites anybody who wants to go up. Um, <laughs> and I can't believe I did this, but Laura was really keen to go and feed, feed a hyena. So we actually let her. And uh, what was going through my head? I, I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, think about safety <laughs> now. I would never it? do it. So she would have been around about seven wow. i suppose anyway she sat there and we have got pictures of laura holding a piece of meat and a great big hyena that's bigger than she is um taking the meat off the stick uh yeah um i wouldn't do it now <laughs> <laughs> i mean it just uh, yeah but you, you just go with things I, I, I found that you know sometimes olivia will want to do something and it probably seems you know you seem confident you're there you can handle it you can do what you need to do and you know there's various things you've done climbing stairs and <laughs> sitting on work tops and doing all sorts of bits and pieces so yeah i mean a hyena is just a big cat really isn't it <laughs> just a dog well it's not even a, not related to the dog it looks like a dog but um yeah it's you did you did mention so neil's i've only got one little one uh and you know she she fills fills the room certainly which is there and neil's got two kids now and he's moved on to that that stage three kids Three three kids, two separate occasions of having kids, I guess. Um, and you mentioned Jack, like Jack joined the world in 1995. Yeah. What, you'd, you'd experienced it once. 
what was the run-up to experiencing it the second time? Did you feel more confident being a dad? Did you understand what the process was going to be like? Was there anything different about that experience? No, as I recall, it was uh, a bit easier second time around, and not least because I was there much more. Um, but actually, uh, yeah, Jack, when when he was born, had a lot more uh, issues than, than Laura in that um, we didn't know at first, but he was lactose intolerant. And uh, so he had, you know, it, was, it was quite uncomfortable for uh, a, a good few weeks after he was born. But, but the run up to um, the birth, because we were, by that time we'd, we'd come home from from india and settled in in the uk for a couple of years um and ha- as i say had that sort of family support around it um seemed a bit more uh orderly shall we say fair do, do you find all three of us have had daughters first mm. oh yeah so do you you know sometimes i see I've, I've talked to other dads sometimes and you're just having casual conversations they say that daughters hit differently than sons you know in a in a protective sense or i, I don't know what difference but certainly when i play with olivia there's there's or i play like if i play with the boys neil's two sons you know i can throw them around and there's wrestling and there's all sorts of bits and pieces going on right and especially with other sons that have been there with olivia there's definitely like a limit like definitely a limit of how far you can take the physical out physical element of like play with her so do you find did you find that there was any difference between having a daughter and a son in terms of the way you felt uh not that you don't live, love your kids any differently but just perhaps the way you felt the way that you approached it the things that you considered was there anything in that that no um not really i mean i I actually remember it more when you announced that you were uh, having a baby and it was a little girl and my first reaction was ah (laughs) just because you know just how how lovely i remember having a daughter when when laura was there and the fact that a little sweet little girl uh um was if it had been a boy i wouldn't have i wouldn't have felt that same you know that whole how i don't know that would have been different for me somehow i can't explain it maybe um but no i i think the other thing was um because we already had a girl the idea that it was going to be a boy just seemed uh perfect really uh and okay obviously um other uh, other families are all all girls all boys it, that you love them just as much but i think it was just uh extra special because we'd had a girl and then we were having a having a boy nice yeah, did you did you feel any different, Neil? When you know, fi- either find because did you find out that you were having boys, or did you just wait for the surprise? Because you'd already had a surprise when you were told they were twins. Yeah, so no, we found out the twelve week scan that they were going to be boys, and um, and I, I don't know, like I think it definitely hit different. I had it in a podcast before, but the oh, I thought the camera was beeping. Yeah, finding finding out in the scan that there were boys kind of got I don't know deleted when I found out it was twins as well because twins just took over and like wow. you just think wow what's what's life going to be like now <laughs> yeah it, it, it it's yeah i i don't know i i, I like you say I, I couldn't i can't explain to you like i haven't had a son uh i've only got one child but I, could, I can't explain to you the difference that i feel you know with my daughter it's kind of like there's 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 something something odd that just is a protection there's a there's something about her where whereas like boys that i've played with they just kind of <laughs> chuck them down the hill and just see what happens i don't know i think there's just yeah there's, there's definitely more rough and tumble with with the boys um and i don't know and, and i definitely think if you look at the characteristics the boys are definitely more bouncy and lively and just like i don't know to little things like destroying things and like poking bugs and like standing on snails like ben was trying to do earlier but like i would never do that kind of thing so it's I just, also see her holding Olivia's hand more. Like yeah. I had to really convince Lewis to want to hold hands <laughs> with Olivia. <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, it's true. So there's and, definitely differences. Yeah, there's, there's clearly differences. Um, 
you, we, we've kind of touched on the point that you've traveled a lot. You know, you've seen a huge amounts of the world from, like I said, parts of Africa all the way through to India, across to Jamaica and all these types of places. How, how have you balanced parenthood and the travel aspects? Because when, obviously, the kids came with you when they were young and they went to international schools and they did those things. But then you traveled to Jamaica and you spent time there working and, and you d- took the decision to uh, have Jack and Laura remain in the UK and, and do the boarding school thing. How, how was that experience in terms of the distance that that happened? And how, what was the thought processes and the conversations that you were having about that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, that was much harder. Uh, it was a family decision, frankly. Um, how old were they? So, uh, Laura was, well, about must have been about 16. So, she was just about to start um, her A-levels. No, she'd... Yeah, she was just about to start her A-levels, whereas Jack was four years younger, so um, in the first year probably of, of secondary school, by the time we went abroad, abroad. And they'd been at that school for three or four years already. So when we came back from um, Cameroon, they went into that school. So I think that helped a lot, that they'd been at the school, they knew the teachers, they had friends at the school. But it was, it was a really tough decision because, you know, I remember especially uh, at that time, Jack was about... 12 or 13 as we were going and we were really close and um you know it was really quite hard just kind of handing over uh, my son into the care of uh, a school uh, and as as much as um the you know obviously you were uh really pleased to have the opportunity to to put them into a into an education environment like that um it was it, that was the hardest thing. Laura was much older and ready, I think, and really good friends. Um, but but Jack was still uh, a bit young, and it, it, frankly, it was really painful, really hard, um, especially the first few uh, few months that we were in, in. As much as nice as Jamaica was in terms of a place to live, um, we just longed for the the holidays when they'd come out at half term and then at, in the summer holidays uh, to you know to spend a bit of time together. And we always looked forward, obviously, to them uh, landing. But then the holiday seemed to go so fast and we're putting them on a plane back back to the uk and that was you know we were pretty miserable frankly on that drive back from the airport having dropped them off so it was it was tough but i, I, I know they had the best of both worlds because i had the coolest holidays in school you know it's <laughs> half term and the kids was, where are you going for holiday oh i'm going down to the english coast and these guys were going to jamaica you know it's like they were, they were coolest coolest kids in school um but uh no it, it, it was tough did, did it make you cherish the moments more absolutely because, you know sometimes Sometimes, like, for, I get my Mondays with Olivia and, you know, I really devote that time. But then, you know, you're, you get tired, right? You're, you're a human being just like everybody else. So sometimes you just put Peppa Pig on or, you know, Peter Rabbit or whatever, whatever she fancies doing. So I imagine during those sort of summer holiday times and when they did come out, it was a oh, super yeah. focused affair and it was very kind of like, you know... Well, we spoil them rotten, you know. Obviously, we go to some really nice hotels and uh, we I remember we did a trip from Jamaica to Florida. So we went to Orlando and did all the Disney and the... Uh, and the um, what's the other one Universal uh, theme parks and stuff so they had, they had some pretty good pretty good holidays as well but uh, yeah it was it was really nice to, to get them back yeah did, did you because obviously again even in that even in the early this would have been early 2000s you know where FaceTime still probably wasn't in existence or you know yeah their school they weren't they weren't allowed mobile phones at school so 
it you know we couldn't they couldn't just whatsapp or text us or anything like that they you know at that time that school no they weren't allowed they weren't allowed mobile phones so the, the separation was real yeah so did you have a, a set time where you had a call once a week or did you do it twice a week or what kind of things did you do to try and you know mitigate the distance and still keep in contact yeah we had an arrangement sundays at fixed time sunday afternoons and i always remember when we first started doing it it was really tough for denise she she hated saying goodbye um so she used to have to go first on the on the conversation speak to the kids and then um you know i'd go second and be the one that put the phone down and said goodbye so but you know and and it was tears on both ends but um i always remember laura saying that at the moment jack got off the phone he was off and he was playing with his mates again and he was fine so uh, you know we had nothing to worry about really they they, they did fine uh, how you know i we've i've traveled quite a lot neil's certainly seen uh, parts of the world that are very different to the uk you know how much do you think the amount of, of exposure they've had to all different cultures and backgrounds and uh, poverty levels even to some degree you know how much do you think that's played a role in like rounding round, yeah rounding them as children I, exactly i think they're, they're much uh, more rounded because of it they've experienced a lot i always remember that neither of our two wanted to do a gap year after after they'd finished school because they'd done quite a lot of travel didn't need to go to yeah. africa uh you know they, they did seven years in a row in africa uh seven seven christmases in a row in africa uh so you know there was a lot they'd experienced already and i you know as i say and i think the other thing is social skills socially um, yeah, this was something I was going to ask. You talked about the streetwise aspect. Yeah, so but, but yeah, so what they 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 kind of gained in exposure. You know, we had a lot of colleagues and friends that come out, so they were very used to meeting adults, meeting strangers all the time, and yeah. I think that really helps. But they weren't cool, especially Laura. When we came back from Cameroon, you know, she was 13 years old and kind of didn't have any fashion sense, any, you know, any didn't know what was in the charts. Didn't always remember our kids. We brought them back and they never knew what they wanted for Christmas. Can you imagine? Because like they they weren't really didn't have the adverts on the TV. No, I've got catalogue. No, they didn't. They didn't know what they wanted. Um, So they didn't have any 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 i remember jack actually being quite into rugby because england had just won the um the world cup in australia and johnny wilkinson uh, was very popular so he kind of was interested in rugby a bit but you know and, and went to a school where other kids of his age were and you know had obviously seen this as well so that was something he had in common but laura no she she enjoyed um, horse riding which she'd done a bit of that in cameroon and ethiopia and uh, we managed to um, get her to uh, a local stables and help out there muck out and you know um for in exchange for uh a bit of horse riding um, but that was really her her interest the rest of it uh, she yeah she she had to learn it and you know in, in quick time when she got here yeah does she ever make any kind of local friends in these kind of places does she ever keep in touch with them or yeah definitely i think that you know with facebook there, there are people she went to school with when we went wow. to um the u.s last year uh, one of her good friends from cameroon Brittany ferrer um we we met up with in wow. um in los angeles and uh, yeah she's got she's got friends in different places in the world and um yeah they're very lucky in that well way. we've been we were lucky because we met up with some of them like as when we traveled when we did the whole travel oh, yeah. in 2017 um we we met up with someone that david's already mentioned and then laura also met with a i think a couple of people in new york as well that have, have moved out there because obviously there was a jamaica connection and that kind of thing and then also the cameroon and all these kind of places um so yeah it was kind of a, a, a that was quite a cool experience as well because because of david's background we met a bunch of people like in hong kong and then we did a bunch of the in the u.s and then there was you know there's all sorts of like because the diplomatic service aspect of things which was yeah that was that was amazing to to sort of be part of um 
so I guess we could probably fast forward a little bit to present day to some extent. You know, you're you're a grandfather now. You know, you've gone from singleton to father to grandfather. What's is is there a difference? I think you cherish it more. It, it, you probably can't can't think that at the time, but I don't know. I just um, I don't know. I'm, I'm more reflective perhaps now of my time I spend with Olivia than um, I was with R2. I, th- I think when when you're um, the, the responsible parent, you've got so much going on, so much to think about. Um, it's nice to be one, once removed as a grandparent and actually uh, have a bit more time to reflect on the quality time that you have. And we, you know, we see, we're so lucky, we see so much of uh, Olivia as well as obviously Gordon and Laura. Um, but uh, having them so close and, and just, you know, spending so much time, it, it, it's brought it all back, all the fun, all the fun things that uh, we did uh, with our kids. Um, you know, those laughs and giggles, making them laugh. There's nothing better is than, than seeing your child or your grandchild uh, laugh at a, a bad joke or a funny face or something like that that you've done. It's just amazing. What was it? Um, yeah, what, what, what's, what, what's the experience like of your your kid your daughter uh having a kid turning to a mom and like maturing yeah like watching watching them do go through the process essentially you went through right you know you became it transformed into becoming a parent and i i really feel neil one of neil's very uh one of neil's loved authors a guy called ryan holiday and he talks very much a lot about the idea that when you have when you become a father you very much step into an adulthood that's that's the, that's the that's the time where you really become an adult because you become responsible essentially for this this tiny little life, you know, and you've got to you've got to do best by them, and it's no longer about yourself. It's all about essentially their needs and what they they're about. And it, you know, to watch your daughter become a parent and become a mother, what what's that? What does that feel like? What does that kind of what's pride? That pride, you know, um, when you see how wonderful, uh, how quick to learn Olivia is. Um, you, there, there are reasons for that. There are reasons that she's a contented child, and it's because of the the upbringing she's having with her uh, parents. And to see that gives you immense pride um, that your daughter and uh, son-in-law are, um, you know, so loving and uh, caring for their daughter. And and tell me off, tell me I'm not allowed to <laughs> spoil Olivia in ice, the way that ice I cream through. in the mo- I, yeah. I must admit, yesterday I was like, David, please don't mention ice cream at eight a.m. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, uh, no, it's 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 great. It's really really lovely to see because it is like we we are like as individuals we are what came before us, you know, our parents and their parents sort of bestowed uh, values and morals and understandings and teachings and all just all even just subconsciously yeah. we're passing those on, and you know, it, it, do you see do, do you clearly now see some of the evidence of what you were what you were doing? or how you were behaving that's now kind of passed on to your daughter who now acts in a certain way to her daughter? No, because I think, Lauren, you've got your own personalities, your own, your own values. Um, they, if, where they coincide, that, you know, that, that's natural, I suppose, but there are, there are differences too. And um, I, I wouldn't for a moment try to, you know, uh, project uh, my, any, any, anything that we did or, um, but I don't think there's any, any any secrets that we've got that we're not telling anybody or any you know any any advice in the same way. I don't feel you need it. Um, it's uh, you know you, you you both know what you're doing. You're doing a fantastic job. So um, yeah. 
I, I'm glad it looks like I know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of wing it, don't you? Really, as a parent, you just kind of figure you it out. You as you go, don't you? You do. But, you, you know, the, you know, but you, you, and you learn from, from the reaction of the child and you can tell um, what to change by the, by the reaction of Olivia. That's the thing, first and foremost, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there was, actually, I was quite curious about, we met, I think, around about this time of year we, when we first ever met. We went to that. Uh, what was like? What was it called? Kensington Roof Gardens. I don't know why I took you somewhere really fancy. It's, it's not absolutely necessary. <laughs> <laughs> it is for Gordon. But to put yeah, to put it into context, I met David. You know, uh, we decided that we we're like, oh, let's let's meet parents. Let's do that. Do that thing. And uh, I was very certain that I was like, I, I knew I wanted to marry Laura already. You kept that quiet though. I did keep it quiet because it's important. <laughs> but I was like, I've got to make a good impression. Like this has got to, I've got to go to a nice place, have a nice meal, you know, where you put a pair of shoes on and you you you, you, you at least present yourself as an upstanding citizen. <laughs> that was my attempt. Um, yeah. What was your What were your first thoughts when you know Laura said, "Oh, we're going to go and meet my boyfriend, Gordon." Yeah. So at that stage, you were a boyfriend, and obviously, I didn't know uh, what was going through your head at that time. Uh, and I remember the view was, uh, well, the weather was very similar to today. Yes. Uh, the view, not quite as spectacular, but for central London, it was uh, pretty good, actually. We're up, as you say, up in that roof, roof garden. I remember they had flamingos in the garden. Yeah, <laughs> but, but wow. we couldn't go outside, really, because it was kind of a, quite wet, wasn't it, still? So, um, but it was, uh, yeah, lovely lunch. And, oh, I, I it, 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 you know, you were... Very, very polite, very uh, welcoming. It's nice, nice to see you. And I, I just remember, you know, from our conversation, we talked a bit about your business. I was checking you out as well, obviously, uh, about your business, and just, just remembering that you. Uh, well, I came away thinking you got a good business head on you, um, and you knew you kind of were quite focused on on where you wanted to take your business. Uh, and yes, yeah, a good sense of fun, I think. And uh, you know, I came away thinking, well, got nothing to worry about. Gordon's a nice guy. Um, as I say, very polite, very uh, good intentions, uh, and a good business head on. So uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's everything I what, wanted. What, the more, conversation. what more could you want? Really? head just got a bit bigger. Yeah, <laughs> but that's but that's it, right? You know, if if Olivia comes home with a, a prospective partner, or you know, wants to me to meet, yeah. them, all, all I want is just that someone's you know level-headed, level, some consistency to them that they have some aspirations. You and, can relate, and you can have a conversation, uh, and you know, you you don't feel. There's a connection. There was a connection. And clearly, you know, what made me uh, happy was clearly you two were, you hadn't, I don't know how long you'd known each other, but already you could see the, months, you know, the strength of your months. relationship. Um, and for me, at the end of the day, if you know, Laura was introducing me as well uh, to you, then, uh, you know, that she obviously knows what she's doing yeah, so too you, right? you certainly didn't come out you didn't you, you didn't have any controversial views or anything <laughs> which was good <laughs> you know it's kind of yeah. kind of helpful because because part of it is also you know your your family as well have have a part to play within the relationship to some extent you know like if you're gonna if i knew that i was gonna marry laura there was always gonna be i was gonna aim to have children and then i'd want the grandparents to be very much involved in life like you've got this with uh with the frasers up here as well you know it's a, it's it's such an amazing experience to have grandparents that are just so involved and really just want to give it their all into to, to, to passing on their knowledge you know and their experiences and their values onto onto grandchildren i mean you must experience yeah, that yeah and it's also the kind of support network you get i mean i don't know how you guys did it being out abroad for the first time with nobody around you but yeah i certainly know like with my parents our parents they they help with our child care and then when we come up to sky 
we get the same. So that's a big thing. It makes a massive difference because yeah. it's like, you know, you, when you get thrown into becoming a parent, it's all very hectic. There's lots of, there's lots of things to think about and yeah. do and, and combat and come up with and problem solve and that kind of thing. But having you know, grandparents so close to be able to, you know, take the reins because they've already had experience of having two children before that, you know, there's a it's knowledge there that helps. Um, and also then for our, like our relationship, it gives us some time to breathe and to be able to go out and do our own thing and stuff, which is, which is so nice. Um, yeah, but I, I think because you are so close and we see so much of Olivia, um, as much as anything, it, we know her routine. So, and she, you know, you, you stayed with us for six months when we first came back because your house was going through uh, that renovation work, well, that extent, extension yeah. work. And I think the fact that Olivia feels so much at home in our house and because we've seen her at close hand for such a long period of time, know her routine, it doesn't really change. So, so it you've got that stability uh, and uh, sort of uh, continuity through through her day. So that, that I'm sure that helps. Yeah, definitely. There, there was definitely something, because me and Neil, uh, myself and Neil, grew up with grandparents, you know, a three and a half hour driveway, which is, which is there's a barrier to that, quite a large barrier. Yeah. And uh, I think everything I ever thought about was I wanted to have, I wanted Olivia to have a close relationship with her grandparents. That's, all, that's always been that. And you can't have you can't have the best of both. You can't have all everybody just living in one village. That would be rather expensive, certainly in London. But I think one of my biggest aims was like to have us close to you guys, you know. And I'm so glad that you're 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 inviting of it and you really want to get involved with it. And every time we drive past, Olivia sits there and goes, "Nana's house, Nana's house," and all those kind of things. So, yeah, it, it's, we feel very privileged. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I had any more sort of specific questions uh, to ask. Uh, I've, we've gone through the grandfather thing. We talked about all of your traveling and all those kind of bits and pieces to be a little bit about your birth story, which was fantastic. Cause uh, one of the things is, you know, of course it's a massive and monumental thing to happen for a woman to have a, a have a baby, but it's also for a man, you know, not necessarily physically, but certainly emotionally and, uh, practically. Um, I guess one of the questions would be, you know, what, what now you're in your fifties, and the postings certainly from a diplomatic service perspective are are less and few, fewer now so what what makes you happy you know there's not the traveling there's now the other bits and pieces like what are the things that you reflect on now that you're yeah. grandfather? uh the big thing is is family and having family so close um when we're not stuck on the other side of the world in kenya most recently um you know obviously that distance um, you really, you really felt it, especially uh, when when uh, there's a baby around who changes so much. Uh, it's di- adults are, are slightly different because you see them six months apart, and you know they haven't changed that much in six months. You know, and you can catch up very quickly. You can, if you if you're apart from a a baby for six months, I mean that's a, an enormous change that you kind of don't experience. So so where when I'm at my happiest is when we're at home in the garden, the sun's shining, we're out in the garden and having a barbecue or, or or whatever, but everybody around, mum and dad, my mum and dad are around too. Um, you know, that that's uh yeah, when 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 life's at its best for me. Nice. It's pretty it's pretty mad how that's the that you know it's such a simple thing, isn't it? And, and if you think about it, it's just a, there's no, there's no materialistic items attached to it. There's no, you know, huge fanfares or glamour. It's just everyone, everyone in the garden, just the family running around. I mean, Olivia running around the garden, doing those kind of bits and pieces. And that, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And Neil, you must, you must love that experience. Yeah. I think as you get older and again, going to adulthood, having kids, you soon realize that the, the simple things are sometimes the best. Yeah. Having family around. 
Yeah, like we went for a walk place. last night, and yeah. it was just it was Olivia, the boys, Isla, and me and Neil. And that's like it, to me, to me, yeah. like, that's that's one of the happiest things I've done. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be lying if I didn't say that uh, you know travel was was obviously when I was uh, going through my. Uh, 30s 20s 30s 40s travel was very much a big part of it wanted to see the world we all want to do that we all want to travel but if you can do that with your family as i was able to yeah. um that we were, we, we were really lucky in that respect but now um our family's got much bigger and and is in the uk um it makes sense for us to uh, you know come back and and uh, be here so um yeah we're, ha- we're as happy as we've ever been no matter where we've been yeah no that's, that's nice to hear um I think that's all the questions I have, Neil. You yeah. got anything you wanted to add? No, I've been I've been chipping in. Yeah, because we do have our responsibilities. <laughs> I know. I'm just thinking. Yeah, the the, the mums have had um, the kids for an hour over lunch. Right. So we really need to join them. We we better do so. But we can uh, we can wrap up uh, the developing dads podcast. Unless David, you have anything else to add to the uh, conversation? No. Looking forward to the uh, whiskey tour. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Well, yes. If you uh, the three and a half listeners that have got to the end of this podcast, thanks very much for listening in. It's been a a real pleasure to interview David and this is now going to be a lasting memory across the internet so then uh, any <laughs> kid, grandkids in the future uh, great grandkids can listen to it and find out all the stories and things that we've gone um, yeah if you're listening we will post this onto YouTube so you can go check us out Developing Dads uh, we also have an Instagram page where Neil sometimes posts reels uh, because that's his job and that's what he's in charge of um, <laughs> and uh, you can check us out in Developing Dads there and ask comments and questions and all sorts of bits and pieces if you're listening on Spotify Apple Podcasts do let us, let us have a, a five star rating of course that's always quite nice we've got nine five-star ratings david on spotify make it double figures shall we yeah we've we've got david can if he's he's got a spotify account he can give us a five-star we've got the uh he lives in the same house as me so we've got a spotify family and friends (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no thanks very much for listening and david again thank you so much for joining us i appreciate this is the the first podcast you've been on you've it's been absolutely fantastic so uh thanks very much and yeah we'll see you we'll see you in your earbuds in the next one cheers cheers thank you